to the Simply Healthy You podcast, your place for overcoming overwhelm with your health to reach your fullest potential. I'm your host, Casey Kane, and I am so pumped to have you here. I'm a recovering burnt out high achiever who was diagnosed with an autoimmune thyroid condition by my early 30s. I didn't realize that running myself ragged in the name of being superwoman and determined to achieve all the things in life was killing my body. I created this podcast so that you don't have to continue the struggle like I did for over a decade. I sat down, studied the data, and simplified what it means to prioritize your own health needs so that you can be the best for all the things on your to-do list. Everything you hear on this podcast, I have tested and implemented in my own super-packed life with my family to bring you the tips, tools, and strategies that will keep your life simply healthy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simply Healthy You podcast. I am so grateful as always to be infiltrating your brain with today's topic. We're talking about building sustainable habits. Raise your hand if you've tried a diet of some kind. Yeah, I can't I can't see your hand, but I know it's up. And maybe it worked for a short while, worked air quotes, or maybe it didn't work at all. But no matter what, I'm sure you couldn't maintain it. Don't be embarrassed. Uh, maybe you're in the middle of one right now and you're here listening to this podcast because you're intrigued by a different kind of eating where you don't have to be cycling on these diets all the time. I bet though that you've probably tried a diet prior to that. Maybe you're not on one right now and I guarantee that you've tried at least one. I don't think there is has ever been a woman I have come in contact with who has never tried some kind of diet, cleanse, fast, something at some point or another in their lives, which is really horrible <laughs> on one level. It's really terrible that all of us feel that need for one reason or another to try some of these things out, any of these things out. Have you ever cut out a food group or a specific food only to binge and then eat an entire box or bag or an entire food group in one sitting. I know I have pints of ice cream, Costco size bags of carbs, deep fried carbs. Yeah. Oh yeah. How many times have you tried to reduce your calories or restrict yourself with those color coded portion containers? Yeah. That was one I was stuck on for years. I thought, well, I've got to be eating balanced because I've got all these different colors that I can eat from, but they're little teeny tiny toddler size portions, not grown ass woman size portions. So it was still calorie control. It was still food restriction. And I know I experienced weight loss results. I experienced them many times over, but anytime that I tried to alter off of that way of eating, I would gain it back every single time, or I would not have enough energy while on the diet to even get through my day. And, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of strength training and I've been in the fitness world and, you know, doing different kinds of workouts and things since my early twenties. And I think that's also why I ended up getting my or triggering my autoimmune thyroid condition so early in my life because I was restricting from such a young age and pushing my body at the same time and increasing that level of stress through my fitness that, I mean, I just never had enough energy to get through the day. And forget trying to build muscle. I mean, there were periods where I 
maybe consumed a bit more calories because I, I somewhere in my mind, I knew in a logical way that I needed more, even though I was terrified to eat more. So yeah, sometimes I gained muscle, uh, but for the most part, it was really difficult to gain muscle and uh, I never had enough energy to get through the day. I mean, I've, I've done all of the above. So I know your hand was up at one point or another in any of those questions. I know you could think about that diet that you tried and how it ended, or maybe the diet that you're in right now. And I don't want you to be embarrassed. I mean, we're friends here at this point. This is this is a safe space. And I know you're here because there's at least a small part of you that is interested in never having to do those diets again, never feeling like you have to. Let's be clear. You don't have to. (laughs) You never had to in the first place. You certainly don't going forward. But today I want to focus on sharing some of the strategies I've used with my clients about adding more nutrient-dense plants into your diet. So you don't ever have to focus on cutting out foods again. You know I am of the mind that when we focus on what we want to add into our diet for fulfilling our health goals and meeting our nutritional needs and less on the things that we want to cut out, you know, maybe we do want to reduce our sugar intake. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's a perfectly fine goal. Maybe we do want to reduce the fried foods that we're eating. Like there's nothing wrong with that. We know that those things can contribute to poor health outcomes, right? So those are perfectly viable goals, but focusing on just cutting them out is just a negative mindset type of place to be. So let's focus on what we want to add instead, because, you know, over time there's going to be less room for the other things. And it's that abundance of, I can have all of these things that I need and these things that I also want that doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. The methods that I'm going to talk about today have helped my clients and me, honestly, tremendously with making healthful eating habits, with avoiding things like restriction and starvation, which then ends up leading to binging a lot of the time. It's really helped my clients with changing their thoughts around food and healing their relationship with food because we are no longer in that camp of good and bad foods. I mean, food has no moral value. I've said this a million times before. There are more nutritious foods and less nutritious foods, but there is room for all of those foods in our life. And it's really helped my clients with reducing their stress when they think about food, uh, whether or not they're getting the right nutritional balance that they need for their age, their lifestyle, uh, their their point in life, you know, being pregnant or um, going through menopause, you know, all these different changes that we go through as women at different times, potentially, and how to fuel ourselves in these different stages. It's really helped to reduce their stress around that. And also, if you have other mouths to feed, if you have a partner, if you have children, um, if you have elderly relatives that you care for, this works for everyone and making sure that everyone is getting a good balance and is really customizable to that. To be clear, as always, I am not promoting going completely vegan unless that's something you desire. Uh, I've had vegans go through my programs before, and I have also had uh, people who still eat animal products go through my programs before, and every single person still sees results because science shows that a 90% whole food plant-based diet gives you the best health outcomes. And I'm never going to stop repeating that because I always get someone (laughs) who thinks that I'm trying to turn everyone into uh, vegans, but you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a a separate choice for a separate reason. I know that I've 
probably talked about it on another episode at this point. But that last 10%, when we look at the data, has no statistical significance on health outcomes that we know of yet. Anything can be done in poor health. I mean, you can have people who say that they're plant-based and it can be done in poor health. You can have people who choose to eat vegan and it can be done in poor health. Like anything can be done in poor health when we're not focusing on balance. But thankfully, that's not what we're doing here. We are focused on balance. So we're looking at that 90% whole food plant-based diet. Now, grab a pen and paper because you're going to want to write, write these down. And I'm breaking this episode into two pieces because I've got a lot of tips here for you. And I want to make sure that you really take time to digest it and write them down, no pun intended, so that you can implement on these. Some of these are repetitive with things I've said before. But again, I mean, we need to hear things like about 20,000 times before we actually are like, well, maybe there's some value to that. Maybe I'll try that out. <laughs> So number one, work at your own pace. I know I've mentioned this one before, and I have no problem repeating this because we are in a world where we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people and the pace at which they are going and or the pace at which life is going on around us. And that does not need to determine your pace for anything that you are working on. For most of us, something like nutritional changes like this means a gradual transition. And it is something that is not celebrated or enforced enough in the nutrition world, in my opinion. Because of fad diets, everything has to be fast. Get these results in 21 days and 30 days. And I mean, even eight-week programs, I think, are pushing it for how much transition you should actually be able to successfully accomplish in that time. Really, gradual can mean one or two new things each week that you are trying to implement. And that can be huge. If you make one change every single week for 52 weeks out of the year, that's 52 changes to your nutrition that would be accomplished by the end of the year. That's a freaking lot. (laughs) So I know that it might feel like a snail's pace compared to some of the diets that you've probably tried in the past. But how many of those things are actually going to stick this way? And how much can you really expect yourself to take on? This is what, I mean, just reflecting on what your own pace is in the first place is is really helpful and important to do because you probably have a lot of shit going on in your life. And so creating that pace that you can sustain. I mean, it might be one change that it takes you two weeks for it to be sustainable. It could take you a whole month, depending on the size of the change that you're trying to implement. It's important to recognize what works well for your personality, for your lifestyle, and for your specific health situation. Now, if you're one of the people who is in a little bit more of a dire health situation, you're having health complications right now, you may not have the luxury of being as gradual with some of the changes that you make, right? That's a reality of it. If you're having health complications right now, you may need to make some changes faster and that's okay, but there are still sustainable ways that we can work on doing that so that while it may be more abrupt changes, they still fit into your lifestyle in a way that is helpful for you to maintain over a long time. Sometimes we just don't have a choice, right? We don't have a choice if we've gotten to the point of having actual health issues. But you don't have to try to plan the rest of your life right now. You just need to think about next week or next month and what pace you feel is sustainable for you. So that's my rant (laughs) for number one, work at your own pace. 
Number two is know your why. And if you didn't listen to the previous episode on your confidence aligning with your goals and values, this is a big part of that. It's important that you get in touch with your why before making any changes. Because if your why is simply just to lose 10 pounds for bathing suit season, you're not going to make sustainable changes. I mean, I I get that you might want to lose 10 pounds for bathing suit season, but that's not going to create sustainable, healthful eating habits. That's going to create a short-term fad diet, unhealthy relationship with food, just like every other diet before, right? And if that if that feels triggering for you, I understand that and know that I am not attacking you. <laughs> I understand that. We all have that goal that we want to work on. You know, I've been there before of wanting to have that muscle definition and you know, in time for short sleeve weather and things like that. But we have to ask ourselves the deeper why. Why is that important? Why is that image so important to us? Because if you really break it down, it's probably not the image, right? That's the superficial reason. Even if circumstances have forced you to make changes because of health issues, you still have the ability to take control today. But your head and your heart need to be in alignment or even the best strategies that I'm going to give you here in this episode are not going to stick because if we're still, again, focused on that superficial, I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to gain an inch in my biceps, whatever it is, it's not going to stick. It's also important to not just focus on the bad things that you want to avoid. So especially if you are experiencing some health issues or if you have seen family and friends who are experiencing health issues that you're thinking like, I don't want to get that way. I don't, I don't want to develop diabetes. I don't want high blood pressure. I don't want cancer. If we're only focusing on the things we want to avoid, it's the same kind of idea as trying to just cut foods out. It's it's just a negative mindset to be in. It's a reality. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should just avoid thinking about those things entirely, but it's really important that we also talk about the good that will come from healthier habits. Like having enough energy to get through your rigorous workday. If your career is really important to you and you don't have enough energy to get through your day at work, that's that's a problem, right? And that would be a really great outcome to have enough energy or enough energy to keep up with your kids because Lord knows keeping up with kids is a challenge in and of itself or getting better quality sleep or knowing what you're going to be cooking or learning how to cook new things or knowing how to meal plan and being prepared for your week so that you don't have to think about that anymore, not stressing about nutrition, healing your relationship with food so that you no longer feel guilt when you enjoy treats and things that you enjoy that have been deemed as bad foods in the past, right? All of these things are really important to think about and understanding your why behind making nutritional changes. Because like I said, if your head and your heart are not in alignment, it's like, forcing a square peg into a round hole. And it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. It's got to start with your head and your heart. Number three is eating enough. And this is unique to each individual. And this is why I will recommend getting support when trying to take on big changes like this. But a common issue when transitioning to including more plants that I see with a lot of my clients is not eating enough. A common issue that I see with my clients when transitioning to including more plants in your diet is not eating enough, especially if you're coming from a reduced calorie diet plan or a portion control diet plan, which is just a reduced calorie diet plan. You're already used to 
not eating enough calories. And so by just swapping those calories for plant-based, yes, you're getting more nutrient-dense foods in, but your calories are probably going to drop even more because plants are naturally lower in calories than some animal products we might have been eating prior to. So for your protein, let's say, on one of those portion control things, if you swap out some of your animal proteins for things like plant-based proteins with beans and whatnot, they're going to be significantly lower in calories. So you may actually be reducing your calories even more than what the restrictive diet already had you on. So you really need to make sure that you are listening to your body and making sure that you are eating more foods than what some of these restrictive diets have put you on in the past. And again, this is unique to each individual. It depends on our age, our size, our lifestyle. You know, I'm only 5'1". I'm obviously going to have different nutritional needs than someone who is a foot taller than me. And I'm pregnant right now, so I'm obviously going to have different nutritional needs than someone who is not at my same age. Uh, And younger people are obviously going to have more nutritional needs uh, or different nutritional needs, I should say, not more (laughs) different nutritional needs than someone who is, you know, over 60 and has different nutritional needs. So this is a very personalized sort of calculation to figure out. It's not, it's not terribly challenging, but Uh, You need to make sure that you're eating enough. You got to get more calories in and not be afraid of calories. But this is where support is really, really important. Number four, redirect your cravings. And I want to be really clear on this one because this can sound diety, fad diety, if if you really don't listen to what I'm talking about here. So let's let's pay, pay attention. Redirecting cravings. On the many restrictive diets out there, We're told to deal with cravings using pure willpower, resist the urge, drink a glass of water when you're feeling like eating, like all that bull crap, right? And we're told to do something else when we're feeling hungry and we're air quote, not supposed to eat, right? And we all know how that ends. It's a freaking disaster and understandably so. When your body is craving something and telling you that it needs to eat, it's telling you that it needs to eat. There's literally no way around making that disappear aside from eating some damn food. That's what makes hunger go away. Eating the food and satisfying your nutritional requirements. Yes, even when you are craving something like chocolate or ice cream, your body is trying to tell you that it needs something like specific vitamins or minerals. Now, You can Google and as well, if you're craving chocolate, it can mean that you're deficient in certain minerals and blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, sure, that could be true. But I don't expect you to replace your chocolate with broccoli, right? Like that's just, I don't expect you to go and be like, well, it might be because I need minerals that I am craving this chocolate right now. So I'm going to go for some broccoli. Uh, But I do want you to think when I talk about redirecting cravings, I do want you to think about how maybe you could try swapping your fast food burger and fries on occasion with a make at home option for burger and fries, or how you can add more plants to your burger and fries that you're making at home, right? I don't want you to totally ignore the fact that you want a burger and fries, but I want you to think about how you can redirect those cravings in a way that still satisfies the craving 
but also helps you reach your goal. Healthier options exist for so many foods these days, more nutrient-dense options. There is always an opportunity to add a plant to what you're doing. We've talked about that before. There's always an opportunity to add a plant. And you can build your meals around foods that you love with more plants in them, just adding more nutrient density. But I also want you to know that redirecting your cravings does not mean avoiding the chocolate or ice cream altogether. Like, I just want you to do it mindfully. So yes, maybe you revamp your burger and fries. You don't always go for the fast food version. Perfect. Maybe you add something to your tacos, redo tacos at home instead of going for Taco Bell, you know, that kind of thing. Those are perfect, perfect opportunities. But when you really want the chocolate or the ice cream or the donut or the chips, whatever it is, I want you to also have those. I want you to include those in a mindful way. I don't want you to feel guilty about it, which I know is a big ask. I know that's a big ask. It takes my clients a long time to get beyond that point and heal that relationship. It took me a long time doing it on my own. It took me a long ass time doing it on my own. Uh, And one of the benefits of having people like me out there is I can help you through it a bit faster than you struggling on your own for as long as I did. I want you to enjoy it because whether or not your body is trying to tell you that you have a mineral deficiency and maybe you need some chocolate, which like, I don't know, I kind of believe that and I kind of don't. I really don't see the data to support (laughs) that. Sometimes you just want some freaking chocolate. Sometimes you just want ice cream. Sometimes you just want a donut. I want you to go for it. I want you to eat it. And I don't want you to have guilt from it. That's what I mean by redirecting, like redirect when there is a, a a way to redirect and still satisfy the craving, not ignore the craving, not I'm going to eat broccoli instead of eating the chocolate. But you know, I really want a burger and fries, but I don't feel like it needs to be fast food. I feel like I can make this at home. And that would still satisfy my craving for this meal. So I'm going to pick that option. Sometimes getting the fast food, sometimes going for the less nutritious versions and then moving on, right? Redirect the craving and then move on or satisfy the craving and then move on. I hope that makes sense. No guilt. Enjoy it. Move on. Because we know, I mean, if you've been here for a bit, we know that that's not really going to change our health. One, any one meal, any one day of eating is not going to change our health. And when that is, you know, your, your why, like I talked about in tip number two, when you're looking at health and you're looking at long-term, what's, what's one meal? What's one snack? What's one day? I mean, even a week, even if you have a shit week, what is that in the long-term game of our life and health? It's nothing. And it takes a little bit of that redirecting in our brain to get to that point and being able to move on from that. Number five, the last tip I'll have for you in this episode, and then I'm going to do more in the next episode, is crowd out, don't cut out. And this goes along with not focusing on what we're cutting out, but rather trying to focus on what we want to add into our diet for good health and nutrition. This means just filling up your plate and your stomach with highly nutritious foods and focusing on what you want to be eating instead of what you quote shouldn't be eating, right? Yes. Like I said before, there's validity to wanting to reduce your sugar intake or wanting to reduce fried foods or wanting to reduce fast food, any of those things. I mean, we know that they have poor health outcomes if they make up a majority of your diet. So if we just focus on making up a majority of our diet, 
with more nutrient-dense foods, then there's less room in our day, right? The, the problem I see a lot with my clients, and especially when we're doing goal setting, is that we're immediately pointing out all the things that we're doing wrong. We're, we're pointing out all the things that we don't want to be eating as much of because we know they have poor health outcomes instead of just focusing on what we are doing right and how we can enhance those skills and abilities. I guarantee even if you're not eating as many whole food plants as I talk about here, that you're still eating them somewhere. Maybe not as regularly as you would like to, uh, maybe not in the variety that we talk about here, but that's why you're here, right? That's why you're learning this information because you've got, I'm, I know you've got some in your diet. You've got some in there. As you try to add more and more plants and variety into your diet, even just one more plant at every single meal, you'll discover that you're feeling more satisfied overall. Your cravings for even the less nutritious foods will go away. <laughs> In the first round of Simply Healthy Academy, my group coaching program, one of the women actually put that she couldn't believe that her chocolate cravings had basically disappeared since she was eating four servings of fruit on a regular basis. She was obsessed with mango. Mango was her thing. And she just was eating tons and tons of mango. So she probably was over her four servings of fruit, but it felt really good for her body. And she just was so shocked that her chocolate cravings completely disappeared. Now, does that happen with everybody? No, but I guarantee that some of your cravings for some of the less nutritious foods are going to go away. Our body craves those things for a variety of different reasons that I'll definitely talk about on another episode, both having to do with the processing and you know the chemicals that are included in some of those foods, but also because many of us are not eating enough complex carbs because of so many varieties of carb cutting diets out there. And that is quick energy for our body. So when our body is feeling low energy, it's going to crave quick energy. And oftentimes that ends up being associated with more processed and less nutritious foods. So when you are giving yourself better balance of complex carbs and energy sources, some of those cravings will go away. So crowding out, not cutting out, means that some of those things are going to naturally just dissipate on their own. And then you don't have to be a victim to your cravings anymore. That feeling that diet culture has given us that we are a victim to our cravings. You get to have more control over it. And you get to think of that other 10% in your diet that I talk about as accessories for your meals and your snacks. You get to dress up your meals and dress up your snacks and enjoy that 10% without stress or guilt because it becomes 10% without having to forcibly cut it down. It becomes 10% of your diet because you're feeling so satisfied in the other areas of your eating and of your eating habits and in your nutrition and in your body. Crowd out, don't cut out. That's number five. So I hope you wrote all these down. And if you didn't, go back and listen again. <laughs> Tune in next time for my last five tips for sustainable eating habits. Um, and I'm also going to have some exciting announcements coming soon over on my Instagram, Simply Healthy Casey, K-A-C-E-Y, before I go out on a short maternity leave when this baby arrives. But I wanted to leave you all with something um, that you can do while I'm not actively taking clients. So Tune in on my Instagram if you haven't already, and uh, I will get the next tips up and ready to go in part two of this episode. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Simply Healthy You podcast. If these episodes are resonating with you, go ahead and click that subscribe button and leave a review with all the great nuggets that you're taking away from today's episode. I promise you, I read every single one of them as your feedback is really valuable to me in creating future episodes. As your host, I look forward to having you join me for the next episode. But in the meantime, remember, keep it simple and eat more plants.